Well, just as you start to take your seats, if all of the people who are on the street evangelizing can start to make your way out, we'd love to hear from you about how it's been going on the streets today. Now, if you're new to the service, you might know that every single Sunday at quarter past four, there's a group of passionate people that meet downstairs in the lower hall, and they are everyday members of the church that go out to the streets to preach the gospel of Jesus. So they meet there, quarter past four, they pray through till five o'clock. And I was walking across the street to go meet someone for a pastoral appointment and heard the wonderful name of Jesus coming over the loudspeakers there in Notting Hill Gate. There were some of them here at Notting Hill. There were some down at Shepherd's Bush by Westfield, some up at Ladbroke Grove. These guys are going out there every single Sunday to preach the gospel. So let's encourage them as they come up today. Now, it's very easy for all of you to get involved. This is open to every member of the church to come together at quarter past four. All you need to do is join them downstairs, and they will be praying there together. Now, all of you seem a shy bunch when you're in Kensington Temple. Come on now, take about three steps forward. We know you're bold as lions and lionesses out there on the street, but in KT, they're hiding at the back. Okay, well, what we'd like to do is is hear from some of you um, as to how your conversations have gone today, who, who you've led to Christ. Now, we know that seven people tonight have responded to the gospel already. Amen. So, who of you has a, has a testimony that you'd like to share uh, tonight? Charmaine, you've got one? You look ready? So, where did you go evangelizing today? Um, we went up to Ladbroke Grove. Was that your first time at Ladbroke Grove? No. No, I've been probably about four times, five, not, five times now. Okay, and how was it today? Good. It's a lot warmer today. I mean, it's been pretty freezing, but today we've had some good weather. Yeah, it was positive, very positive. And uh, more than the weather, what happened in, by way of your conversations with different people? I think the best one that I enjoyed was actually on the bus. Um, the Spirit of the Lord came over me because I was looking for the scripture in Thessalonians about us waking up. It was something that Bruce preached a few weeks ago, and I was looking for it, and I got a bit frustrated and then in the end, I just opened my mouth and I started to speak about today being the day of salvation. And I was just walking up and down the bus, speaking to people about the Lord. Um, some people got off and a Muslim man and his wife got off and the man gave his life to the Lord Jesus. Wait, let me pause you right there. So a lot seems to have run on there. So you were going up and down the aisle, repeating this verse that the day of salvation has come. To- I said other things. I mean, I, I looked at individuals and I pointed them and I said, you know, the Lord's calling you. And I said, you need to wake up. <laughs> like I woke up. <laughs> okay. So you woke up. You had a wake up moment. Yeah. And then you started talking to a Muslim man and his wife while they were on the bus or while they were getting off the bus? Actually, I spoke to everyone on the bus, but I kind of looked at him in particular because he was attentive and there were a couple of other people, but he seemed to um, grab my attention. And so you got off the bus together or? No, I got off and left him. I didn't realize he got off the bus, but then the team gathered around them and um, he was receptive and um, a few people spoke to him and he prayed the prayer of salvation with uh, um, Brett. That's wonderful. Him and his wife? um, Iman, who is there. Um, spoke to her in her language and she, she gave her life, didn't she? She did. So Iman could tell you her story. Wow, so she gave, came to Christ as well. Yeah. Wonderful. Let's praise the Lord for that. Amen. Thank you. 
Anyone else? Is it yourself or is it... Hi, my name is Rachel. Uh, we went to evangelize in Sheffield Bush. Rachel, why don't you come and tell the story? Why are you hiding over there? Okay, so you went down... So who won the person to Christ? Help me with that first. Well, we were walking along and there were two young girls. I was um, in Simon's group and I was with Angeline. And we just started sharing with them and asking if they knew Jesus. And they said they knew Jesus. And what we understood is they come from Catholic background. So it had like a religious type of understanding. So we were able to share the gospel with them. And we took it really slowly because they were quite young. And we're not trying to just get people to sign bits of paper. And um, Can you explain then what you mean? Because you're, you're presenting that the gospel is somehow different to the religious perspective that they'd had. Can you unpack what you'd said to them? Yeah, so what we, what we were um, trying to share with them in a way that they could understand is about how sin separates people from God and that Jesus is the only way for them to get in right relationship with God. And then we asked them if they'd like Jesus in their heart and they'd like Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. We explained what that meant. And they both said yes. And one was 10 and the other one was 12. Yeah. Wow. And so they prayed the prayer of salvation with you? They did both both of them, and they gave us um, their details, and we encouraged them to share with their parents that they'd invited Jesus into their heart. Excellent, so that their parents are aware of what's going on for them. That's brilliant. And so was that the first time that you'd led such a young couple to the Lord? Well, I, I've worked with children before, so sort of like in the church context, but probably in the street, yeah, they were the youngest ones. That's brilliant. And so you were aware of some of the sensitivities, of course, around we're talking with children. And so you've handled that very well to encourage them to go back to their parents and talk about that. So that is amazing. And it's great to hear about two people coming to Christ. Amen. Anyone else? Sorry? Okay. Uh, did you see someone saved? Did you see someone saved? Okay, good. So where were you? We've been in the Notting Hill area, and today we have about five people give their lives, and some of them are actually here, and every day has been an experience. Even when we are tired physically, when we get there, the Lord just energizes us and gives us the love and compassion for the people that need to know him. It's really a very good experience seeing people surrender to the Lord. Brilliant, Susie. Thank you so much. Um, you've... Are you got you, you telling me it's a powerful testimony? All right, let's let's let, let's hear let's hear what happened. So where were you? Uh, Labour Grove. Grove as well. Okay. I asked the Lord what He's going to do on me, to what His will. What His will is to do through you, who you wanted to talk to. He sent me for four women, a Muslim wearing hijab. I shared the love testimony of the Lord. Uh, one of them, particular, a lady, she was, I was telling her the love of the Lord, and she was, when I sought to tell her, uh, pray the salvation, she prayed, and then I said, when I said Jesus, she said, Muhammad, Jesus, and she was walking, can I give you the leaflet? She said, uh, no. Then uh, there's a one, she's a new, uh, she just joined us, uh, she spoke in Arabic, Randa, over there, uh, she tell her what about Jesus and everything. Then I told her, hold on, can I hug you? Can I just hug you? And I was praying in tongue while she was speaking in Arabic. Then at the end, I told her, do you want to receive this, uh, the leaflet? And could you ask, ask God that to reveal to you and everything? She said yes, and she accepted the leaflet. And I was surprised, you know, because before she was in a big bondage. But when I, I realized by praying in tongues and other with you speaking, explaining, uh, 
the bandage will break in Jesus' name. And I believe four people will come into the Lord, uh, into the Lord in Jesus' name. I believe in my Okay, brilliant. And so she's basically saying that she took the opportunity to pray while they were evangelizing, and she saw the situation change. Now, they obviously still do need to come to Christ, but they were more open to at least taking a flyer and considering what that meant. And Rachel was making reference to the four spiritual laws that sin separates us from God, that Jesus is the only bridge to God, and we need to receive Christ in order to receive reconciliation with the Father. And so that's essentially the kind of document that she's placed in her hands. Brett, Brett has a great, I mean, we all love hearing from Brett when he's got these great stories, and he's, I'm sure you've got one tonight. Brett, what's happened with you on the street? Well, we enjoyed ourselves tonight. I think that's important to do when you're out there. Enjoy yourself. We enjoyed Jesus before we left. But I was preaching uh, from the loudspeaker tonight, enjoying myself. And uh, one of our team members, Emanuela, Emanuela brought uh, to me four, four youth. And um, three of them uh, gave, uh, you know, took heed to the message of the gospel and were basically gripped by it. And they gave their lives to Christ. And they followed us to church today. But what really touched me the most, one of the young lads who's here sitting upstairs tonight uh, then took the mic and he, uh, he echoed uh, the message as we, we, we told him what to say. He preached the gospel uh, to the rest, of the rest of the community, which is really good. Uh, so praise God for that. Uh, for me, it's just good because it's really harvest time now. Like it really is harvest time. Like though they sowed with tears, they shall reap with joy. And we're reaping. It's like there's four... I mean, it's, you know, they're start, starting start to come in, but people are giving their lives to Christ, but they're coming into the church. There's four people tonight followed us, followed the shepherds of KT back to the flock. Amen. Hallelujah. So we give God praise for that. And uh, yeah. So if you want to come and join us, we'd love to have you downstairs. It's basically just a recharge time, a charge of just getting filled with the, God's presence on purpose and then just taken out into the street. We're having a wonderful time. We're meeting at 4.15 downstairs. Uh, there's, there's one of three teams at the moment that you could uh, join. Who knows, you know, you, you might uh, end up leading your own team one day. So, yeah, come, come and join us and we'd love to have you aboard. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Brett. And let's just appreciate them all as they start to make their way. Thank you so much, Bruce. Amen. It's harvest time. Don't believe the devil. He's a liar. He'll do everything possible to get into our minds that it's not harvest time. But Jesus says it's harvest time. Why would he put us here? Why would he have us here if there is no harvest to reap? The devil is a liar. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. We just need more workers to go into the harvest. And not just workers to go into the harvest, but confident workers. A confidence in the gospel. And one of the things we're doing week by week in our ministry and our preaching, and the reason that we, we share these testimonies is to help give you confidence. So that every week on Sunday evenings you're hearing people who gave their lives to the Lord a few hours ago. And that should encourage you because as God is going to use us to win souls. We've got some great courses coming up soon, Evangelism Explosion. We're going to be training some trainers, and we're going to be training you how to not only to build friendships, but how to reap a harvest. It's going to be exciting. I believe this summer we're going to see so many people that we know and don't know yet saved. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 7 and verse 16. Luke chapter 7 and verse 16. I want to look at Jesus 
and John the Baptist and their relationship tonight. Luke chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus has just raised from the dead the young man in a coffin, and uh, this is what happens. Luke 7, 16. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen up among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about Jesus went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And that very hour, Jesus cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. When the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For it is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then? Shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He's a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by all her children. This is an amazing passage because in it we are finding out who Jesus is. And then Jesus is telling us who the John the Baptist is. And then Jesus is telling us what the current generation is like. So this is full of self-disclosure, full of revelation, because everybody's trying to figure out who everybody is. I mean, John the Baptist is still trying to figure out who Jesus is. Now, you have to understand that John was in a very difficult situation at the time of, of, of this passage. I mean, he had 
been riding on the crest of a wave of popularity before Jesus came. None greater, Jesus said, has been born of women but John. And you know the story. John was a whirlwind. He was a type of Elijah in the past. And, uh, you know, he went out into the wilderness. Now, often people say, oh, you know, we need to take the gospel where the people are. We, we need to, to, to hire a building where it's very popular, a place where people have got transport so they can come to the meetings. John the Baptist went as far away from people as he could. Isn't that crazy? How to start a popular ministry, leave all the people, go into the desert. And Jesus said, what did you go into, into the desert to see? John the Baptist had gone into the desert and yet there was something so powerful and compelling about his ministry and his message that people followed him into the desert to find out what he was going to say. That's a powerful ministry, isn't it? And we know that his ministry was confrontational. It was powerful. Uh, he didn't preach popularity. He preached a message of repentance. And he said, you need to repent. You need to get your life right. You need to sort yourself out because one is coming of whom I'm not even worthy to tie the laces of his shoes. You've got to get ready. Something's coming. And people believed his message because there was such a powerful anointing upon it. And they were getting baptized in water. He was the first one to use water for baptism. And people were saying, what shall we do? And he was saying, baptize, start afresh. And he said to them, walk righteously. Don't you tax gatherers, you're asking me what to do? Just take the tax that you should do. Soldiers were coming up to him. John, what should we do? How should we prepare? And he says, make do with your pay. Don't, 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 don't be exorbitant. What shall we do? Well, if you've got one coat and you've got some spare, think about the people that don't have any clothes and bear fruit in keeping with repentance. What a powerful ministry. Shaking the nation of Israel like Israel had not been shaken since Elijah. But man, I would have loved to have been there when Jesus went out to be baptized by John. Why? Do you know that Jesus and John were actual cousins? Do you know that? Oh, okay. Well, I thought I was, there's me going, oh, I'm going to tell you something you don't, yeah, we know. So, you know, they knew each other as kids. And yet, when the time came, they didn't know each other according to the flesh. You know what I'm saying? They understood who they were spiritually. They understood the spiritual anointing and the destiny. Well, Jesus would have problems with some of his other cousins who, who sent their aunt to say to Jesus, we'd like to sit at your left and your right. They were still thinking in fleshly terms. But his cousin John, they understood the things of the Spirit. And it must have been amazing as Jesus traveled out to see John. And then John sees Jesus. And wow, I mean, the Christ and the Baptist. Elijah, of whom none of women have been born that were greater. That includes Moses. That includes Abraham. That includes all the prophets of the past. None of them were greater than John the Baptist. You see, because Jesus is the Savior and he shines so brightly, uh, sometimes we forget, for, can forget how brightly John the Baptist shined. And that if Jesus hadn't come there and then, 
then we would be talking about John the Baptist as the greatest that God ever sent. Isn't that amazing? But the greatest that God had ever sent. That's how brightly. But because Jesus shines shines the brightest, he was in his shadow. But not only that, John would speak, wouldn't he? In John's gospel, he says, you know what? I'm just a lamp. I'm just a lamp. You think I shine brightly? I mean, if we had been there, friends, we would have thought that John the Baptist just was the greatest. We'd have, I mean, we in this room, we would travel right out into the wilderness, right out. We would walk. If there was no tube, we wouldn't care. We want to go and see this shining, shining lamp. The power of God was with him. The word of God was with him. The Elijah anointing was with him. And yet, Jesus comes and he says, I'm just a lamp. And we're going, wow, well, you shine brightly. Well, I'm the lamp, but one is coming that is the light of the world. I mean, what a me- the greatness of John was his humility. He wielded such power. We commanded such congregations. And I'd have loved to have seen the moment when The two greatest men, perhaps, that ever walked the earth. No one greater born of woman. The two greatest men that ever walked the earth. And when they come to each other, and they meet, and they speak to one another, and John says, you come to me, I should rather be baptized by you. He recognized. He was the only one, the only one at that moment who understood who Jesus was. And then Jesus says, you know, basically, John, this is part of the plan. Let's just go through it. I wonder what John felt as he took his cousin in his hands that he knew was the Christ, one that he wasn't worthy to tie the shoes of, even though he was elder than him. And then to baptize, can you imagine baptizing the Lord? Taking him and saying, just do it. And you're going, Ash, you should be baptizing me. He says, just do it. Taking Jesus and plunging him under the water and then lifting him up and then seeing the dove come down and hearing the Father speak, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. John had seen him coming down the road a few moments earlier and said, behold, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. What a powerful duo. Yet the respect that each one held in the other and the fact that both of them were clothed with humility. You see, one of the things that is holding back revival is that often when people get any sense of popularity, they lose their humility. I mean, their real humility. We all know that we're meant to have false humility. You can't go around saying, I'm proud and proud of it, you know. So we play the game and say the words and mock humility and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. These people were humble because they weren't in the ministry for themselves. They could be trusted with great many souls because they didn't hold on to it. They were servants of God. John, I must decrease. He must increase. And how he did decrease. Until we find John in the place where he is right now, he's in prison. And he's only a man, a great man, but he's in prison. And do you remember Elijah before him, in whom anointing he came? Do you remember Elijah had his fainting spells? Do you remember that? I alone am left, and Jezebel's going to kill me. I'm running away. 
great power, yet, yet great doubt as well at times. Well, the same thing happened with John. John had already pronounced, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I baptize you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He'd had these revelations from the Father. He was a light, a testimony, a witness, a voice crying in the wilderness. You know, Jesus said he is Elijah, or he is the anointing of Elijah. He's a prophet. But John, when they asked John who he was, you see this in John's gospel, he refused to say, I have come in the power of Elijah. He just said, I'm just a voice. Just a voice preparing the way. And now in prison, in this darkness, in this abandonment, while Jesus was, the fear came upon them all in verse 16, and they glorified God. A great prophet has risen among us. God has visited his people. That's what they were saying about John a little while earlier. Now nobody was giving John a second thought. Aren't people fickle? Aren't people fickle? They all went out to see John. Now he was in prison. Nobody gave a anything to do. Who cares? The only people that cared were the disciples that were around him. And so he was abandoned, alone, and about to be killed. He was about to become the reward for a young girl's dancing. <laughs> From the greatness of the greatest ever born to being a reward for some young 15-year-old dancer. How humiliating to be in that situation. And so he's confused. He's like, what's going on? I know that I meant to decrease, but I didn't expect this. And, and I'm hearing these reports, but I thought I'd preached that he was going to come with his winnowing fork. And he was going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and he was going to burn it. But I don't, I don't see him judging the world. I don't see that. See, that's going to come when Jesus comes again. And he got confused. And so he sent his disciples. He knew but he was having doubts. Isn't it amazing? Even John the Baptist, even though he knew and had faith, he had doubts. He had doubts. Even though he knew, he had doubts. He was having a fainting spell of faith. So he sent his disciples to them and asked the question, who are you? You see, this passage is full of who people are. Who is Jesus? Who is John? And who is the generation? Because nobody knew. Everybody was confused. Who are you? Are you the coming one or do we look for another Wow, he was in a bad place, wasn't he? he? He was like, now he'd been used, the anointing had lift. you know that? God was still with John, but the anointing had lift. God will only anoint you for a purpose. Do you hear what I'm saying? His purpose had been fulfilled. It was time for him to de decrease. He didn't need that anointing anymore. He was left alone. God was with him, but the anointing had departed. The real anointed one was now ministering in crowds that nobody could ever believe. Are you the one or are we to look for another? And how did Jesus answer? He'd answered audio-visually. He says, you want to know if I'm the one? Well, this is what the one does. And at that very moment, the healing power of God came. We're believing that the healing power is here tonight. Because Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. And if I say to you that Jesus is alive, he's the Christ of the Messiah, and you might be here saying, is Jesus really the coming one? Was Buddha the coming one? Was Muhammad the coming one? Is Jesus really the coming one? Yes, he is. And this is what he does. He heals the sick. He binds up the brokenhearted. He gives hope to the poor and downtrodden. He forgives sins. 
And he demonstrates his glory through supernatural power. Jesus is alive and he's still doing today what he did then. Go and tell John the things you've seen and heard. Blind seeing, lame walking, lepers cleansed, deaf heard, dead raised, and hope for the poor. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Jesus is very offensive. Do you know that? And we need to keep the offense of Christ. I know on Good Friday, if you were here, I was speaking about the scandalon of the cross, or the offense of the cross. And the word is scandalon. It was a scandal that Jesus should have died on the cross. That's where criminals ended up defeated. That's not where victories were won. But you know, Jesus is a scandal from beginning to end. I mean, he, he, was, he was born in Bethlehem, the tiniest city there was, in a stable with animals of a carpenter. He was brought up in scandal. Do you know that? People said that Jesus was illegitimate. We see this. You can see in some of the Gospels that people were saying, we know where he comes. We know who his mother is, but we don't know who his father is. He was brought up as a there was scandal all around his life. Everything he did was scandalous and offensive. He was, he was brought up in Nazareth. Brought up in Nazareth. I mean, that was the north. He was a northerner. A northerner. And they had a very strong accent in Nazareth. And people, people down south said, can anything good come from the north? And, you know, when Jesus came down south, he would have an accent. They said, Jesus the Galilean. Now, I'm from Yorkshire, so I can say this about my own people. Yeah, I can say it. You couldn't do it if you're a southerner, but, you might, but I can. It would be like Jesus being born in Barnsley. Can anything good come out of Barnsley? Hasn't yet. And so, Jesus coming down. Can you imagine a carpenter? Well, it wouldn't be a carpenter. Um, an apprentice, a factory apprentice from Barnsley, okay, bought, raised in Barnsley, coming down to Kensington, Royal Borough of Kensington. Coming down to the Royal Borough of Kensington and going down Kensington High Street, Sloan Square, and here comes Jesus, and, and he's from Barnsley, and he goes, Hello, my name's Jesus, Saviour Well from Barnsley. I'm son of father, incarnated, I'm word made flesh me. So if you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you'll be saved. My words, spirit, life. Spirit, life. Just believe in what I'm saying. Trust me, I'm Messiah from Barnsley. You see, can you imagine the reaction of some of the people that living? It'd be like, he wouldn't even like, oh, I say. Off you go, young man. Here's five pounds. Off you go. And I use that as a silly illustration. But you know, that's what it would have been like. It really would have been like worse. Worse. Because we would expect in this day and age that we wouldn't be so, you know, you know uh, anti-Northern. But in those days, there was no bone. So there's Jesus, the Galilean, saying this is what he's doing. He is offensive. He's a scandal doesn't speak right, doesn't come from the right place, hasn't got the background. We have this picture of Jesus sometimes, and we forget 
that when he was on earth, there wasn't much about him. He, 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 wasn't, he wasn't like these pictures you find on Catholic prayer cards where he has beautiful golden highlights in his hair. He has a beautiful heart that's sacred. He has beautiful pale white fingers with lovely, lovely nails. I've always noticed beautiful nails. He has lovely rosy, slightly tinted rosy cheeks, beautiful jawline. It looks like, he looks like the perfect X Factor or member of boy band. He was nothing like that at all. Nothing naturally that you would go, oh my goodness, look at this person. He was veiled. What a wonderful saviour. What a wonder, no wonder he jumped up with joy and said, that time he got really filled with joy, he said, <laughs> jumping with joy, the Greek word says, he said, Father, I praise you because you have hidden these things from the wise and the mighty, and you've revealed them from the lowly and the babes. You have to humble yourself to know the Lord, Do you know that? And I say this to us at every level, I say that to you if you've not met Jesus yet, and this is a night for you, but I say that to you as a Christian. We get too familiar with the Lord. And when you're familiar with the Lord, you're not with the Lord. We make him into our own image. We, we make him a product of, of our society. We make him a product of our age. There's some dreadful books out there at the moment. These dreadful theologies about Jesus. And what they're trying to do is turn Jesus into what they think people in our day and age would like. So they take away the wrath of God, they take away the offense of the cross, they, 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 they try and dress him in a 2013 type of character, hoping that the world will like him. But Jesus is offensive. He's so glorious, so wonderful, so amazing, so hardcore in his gospel. He's so en energetic, he's so strong in what he says. He's so uncompromising, so mighty and powerful. He's not at all like we want to make him. And he says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. We need to get offended. When was the last time you struggled with Jesus? <laughs> I mean, when was the last time you thought, God, it's a bit much Jesus. It's a bit hard. That's a bit, well, struggling with that, Lord. When was the last time you struggled with the Word of God? Because you thought it was a bit extreme. A bit, bit too hard, a bit too hardcore. A bit. When was the last time you read something of Jesus and really got in and saw, my God, Jesus, that was a bit out of order. Turning the tables over, you didn't need to do that. Why would you do that? That was a bit, bit out. You vipers brood, easy boy. That's that northern thing in you, isn't it? Telling it is it you vipers brood? Your disciples are more made more fit from hell than you. You whitewashed tombs. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not. I'm not saying that we go out and be offensive. I'm talking about Jesus. Everything he says. And so, when was the last time that you struggled with the Lord? Because the disciples did many times. You have little faith. <laughs> it doesn't mess around, does it? What's the matter with you? You have little faith. Peter says, you are the son of the living God, the Christ. He goes, well done, Peter. Father revealed that to you. He goes, thank you, Lord. Oh, and you're not going to the cross. Get behind me, Satan. 
We've got to awaken Jesus as he really is and not as we would like him to be. We see there, he says, to what then shall I liken the men of this generation and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace calling to one another saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came fasting and not drinking wine. They say he's a crazy fanatic. But I come and do something even more fanatical. I go to parties. I spend time with everybody that you don't want to spend time with. And you're offended. Do you know, if Jesus was around today, 99.9% of us would be offended at the company he kept. You say, no, I wouldn't. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. You would be offended. Just think of the people that you don't like, because that's who Jesus would spend time with. He would spend, I mean, I don't know what it is for you, but he would spend time with racists. Do you know that? No, he wouldn't. Yes, he would. Why? Because they're sinners. He would spend time with the people that you don't have time for or that I don't have time for. We always think, oh, no, I would be with Jesus. He would take you places you didn't want to go. Just think of the people that you really struggle with, that really deep down, you might not admit it, you don't like. That's where Jesus would be. Let's get ourselves in a place where we, where we get offended again, not in a bad way, because if you, if, you, if you walk into the offense, what happens is it reveals the heart and you can humble yourself again. I mean, when was the last time Jesus rebuked you? I got rebuked one morning, one Sunday morning, I was in my bed. I can't really tell you what was happening, but I was complaining about something. I was complaining about something. And I was just, and I really was, and I, and I couldn't sleep. And I was like, this isn't fair. Why should I have to deal with this? And I was going from my mind, all this. And Jesus snapped at me. He snapped at me. And it, I can't tell you exactly what it was about, but, it, but he sort of was like, next thing, in my mind, I hear this, I hear this voice. Well, what do you think I had to deal with? Oh, God. Oh, dear. I said something a bit stronger, actually. Oh, dear. What? Oh, my God. I'm like, um, yeah, right. He's right. Sorry, Lord. And he rebuked me. Just bang. It was almost like, oh, shut up, Bruce. Going on about that. What about this? And he showed me that exactly what I was complaining about, he had to deal with. Only it was like 10,000 times worse. A rebuke. But, you know, I'm talking about it today. It was wonderful. No, seriously, at the time it wasn't, but it was like, at the time I was like, oh my God, but I was also thrilled, thrilled that I had been rebuked by the Lord. I can't really explain it. Part was like, oh my God, because I was just sounding off. You know when you sound off in your mind and you don't hear anything and everything? Well, for have, to have God get annoyed with you and snap at you, I was actually felt quite thrilled about it. You know what I mean? I don't know if that comes across or it makes any sense to you. But I, I'm thrilled because I thought, I need to know you more, Lord, because there must be many other things I'm taking for granted, thinking, going on, that I need to be rebuked about. And I'd like to be, because I, I want you to deal with me, with your kindness and your grace. But I also want you to come to me in angles and ways that are not comfortable. I don't want to be, you know, I don't, because I don't see anybody comfortable with the Lord. 
All right, John, beloved, with his head up. But there's grace and there's mercy and there's fellowship and there's love. I'm not, we, we know that, don't we? I'm saying, what about the elements, the other elements of the Lord? Where his disciples sometimes would just shake their heads and go, and he's off the rocker. Jesus has gone too far. He's mad. He's madman. What is he doing? Jesus, easy, easy, easy. And he was like, no, I'm not going easy. And they're like, they didn't, you know, that's what we need. That's what we need. But he says, this generation plays the flute and expects me to dance. This generation of preachers describe me in a way that dances to this generation's tune. You know, there's some people, they're trying to make Jesus dance to the tune of political correctness. Like Jesus has changed and, and Jesus doesn't have any opinions on sin, sexuality. He doesn't have any opinions. He's just, he's just one big gooey God. Big old gooey God. Doesn't matter what you do. Doesn't matter what, if it feels good. Don't worry. Big old gooey God. I don't see any gooeyness in Jesus. I see power, love, grace, mercy, confrontation, holiness. And he's not coming back with some ice cream. When he comes back, he's coming back with an army of fiery angels to bring retribution to all those who have opposed the gospel. Read 1 Thessalonians 1. We played the flute for you and you would not dance. Oh, making Jesus dance to our tune. Making Jesus dance to the world's tune. The world doesn't like him. The world's, the world's well offended by Jesus. So what do we do? We change the Jesus to become non-offensive. And you know what? The world is even less impressed by him then. We mourned and you didn't weep. What does that mean? It means you're not sad about the things we're not sad about. And Jesus, is, Jesus is saying, what, what, what are you worried about? Get on with it. Stop moaning. Well, you, that's not very nice, Lord. We're all having a mourning party, a pity party. We're all sad. This is a funeral. This is, this is, this is how we feel. And, and you feel like us. No, I won't feel like you. I'm God. I'm Lord. So you've got John the Baptist, who's crazy on the one side. And then you've got Jesus, who's crazy on the other side. And they can't work either of them out. But I love this verse 35. And this is where we're going to break for ministry. But wisdom is justified by all her children. What does that mean? It means the children. The wisdom is justified by her children. What's that? It's those that are prepared to bow the knee to who Jesus really is is. John was saying, who are you really? Because I love you and I'll accept you. Are you really the one? I'm who are you really? Yes, I am the one. Jesus is asking us, do you want to know me? Do you really want to know me? Because I'm there in the pages of the Gospels. I'm there in the Word of God. And I want you to know me. But I don't want you to know some dancing Jesus who plays to your tune or this nation's tune or the backslidden church's tune or liberal theologian's tune. I don't want you to know me like that. I don't want you to know me as 
the morn that whatever you feel, I feel it too. That you make me in your image. What do I want you to? I want you to come to me afresh. I want my spirit, I want you to have an open heart that you can see me in all my lowliness and humility, my love and my grace and my forgiveness, but in all my glory and power, and fieriness and passion and kingship and lordship. That's what I want you to know me as. Let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're here, and for the first time, you're ready to know Jesus, and you've already heard a little bit of the testimonies of the evangelists, and that the first thing you need to know the Lord as is your Savior, because you can't know him as anything else, friend, Lord, until you first know him as Savior. You see, who is, you say, who is Jesus in his essence? I tell you who Jesus, if you really want to get to know Jesus quickly, go to the cross. Because that's where who he is, is manifest in all its power. Hanging on the cross, dying for your sins so that you don't have to die in them. Taking the full force of the judgment of his father that was meant for us, he experienced the judgment of his father instead of us. And all we have to do is believe that he died on the cross for us and that he's raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And if you believe that simple fact tonight, you are saved, your sins are forgiven you, you are going to heaven if you believe. It's a gift. You don't have to do anything. You just have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is. With every head bowed, is there anybody here who will lift their hand and own Jesus for the first time? I'm just asking you to lift your hand to say, yes, Jesus, I believe. He lifted his body on a cross and was crucified for you. Just lift your hand right now. Now's your time, my friend. Now's your time. Yes, at the back. Now's your time. Lift your hand. Tonight's your night. It's time to meet Jesus. Have your sins forgiven and begin your journey. Is there anyone else? Anybody in the balcony? Now's your time. Don't walk out still the enemy of God when God's done everything to make you his friend. Don't walk out tonight a sinner because if you die in your sins, you'll go to hell. But hell was not created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels and Jesus died so that nobody needs to go to hell. But everybody can know the love of the Father tonight. So the last time I'm going to ask, lift your hand tonight if you want to make peace with God. Anybody else? Amen. And we in our hearts say, Father, show us the Son. Holy Spirit, show us the Son. Guard us, Lord, from preachers that play a tune that you don't dance to, that portray you as something that you're not. Help us to step out of our culture into the Word so that we see you as you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You do not change from culture to culture. You're eternal. In the name of Jesus, amen. I'm going to ask Gabriel to come on the platform and the ministry, to come on the ministry team to come on the platform. Gabriel's going to, we're going to bring some words right now quickly because we want to release ministry in the next couple of minutes.
The Holy Spirit's got some work to do in this, in this place tonight. Miracles, healings, the things that Jesus did for John the Baptist, he's going to do tonight. And we're going to pray for everybody that needs prayer. We're going to move into a time of worship. But before we do that, we have some particular prophecy or words of knowledge that we're going to hear right now. And then if that word is for you, then we're going to ask you to come up and we're going to pray for you concerning that situation and also anybody that needs help. So we're going to do that right now. So ministry team, I need you to give these words quickly so that we can move fast. Thank you, Bruce. Um, I had a quick word, actually, to start off with, and then we'll get into the team. Um, it flows a lot, a lot along the lines of what Bruce is talking about. When we had the evangelists up earlier, I really believe that some people were sat here saying, you know, I'm never going to go and talk about Jesus, or I could never go and talk about Jesus. And I really felt this strong message for you. Do you think Jesus isn't going to go with you when you go to preach? Do you think that he's not going to be standing side by side with you when you open your mouth? Do you think he's not going to give you the words to say that will bring people to Christ? And you're letting fear stop you from doing that. If you know that that's you, I want you to respond later on when we call everyone out to be, to be prayed for. But it's time to know that Jesus is with you and stop hiding behind fear and stop making excuses. Know that Jesus is calling us to preach the gospel in a hardcore way, just like Bruce was saying. Amen. Now, anyone else? Have you got? Yeah, um, a couple of words. I had a, a word for someone who has a pain on the right side of their neck, just sort of behind you know, the neck side, the right side of their neck. Pray for you. Um, also, I have, I believe there's someone here who is seeking God for a financial situation. Um, God's, I believe God's already spoken to you, but you're looking for confirmation. And it's a financial situation and God is encouraging you to step out. He's given you the response, but just step out into the boat, oh, out of the boat and trust him. Um, and the third one was a word for someone who's going through a work tribunal situation or an arbitration situation. Um, I'd like to pray for you. I believe that God wants to encourage you. He's got the whole matter under control, but just wants to encourage you in that. Thank you very, very much, Beverly. Just to the rest of you, if you have a word, if you can start coming over this side, that would really help me. Yeah, basically I've got um, two words. Um, the first one was someone um, that's got either cataracts or blurry vision. Um, so God wants to hear you tonight. It's, it's very blurry vision, not just standards like yeah, cataracts or blurry vision. God can hear your blurry vision anyway. But the second one was um, there's, a, there's a man here tonight. Um, you're married, your wife is a Christian, but she's not with you tonight. And there's problems in your been problems in your marriage for a long time but you're considering divorce god wants to restore that marriage he wants to restore that relationship brilliant so there's a guy here whose wife is at home but the lord wants to talk to you and encourage you in this time to bring about restoration anyone else please do make your way over this side um the word that i have today is um the word crystallize and it's specifically to do it um the definition is basically it causes to take a definite, a clear shape. If something crystallizes your thoughts or opinions, it makes them clear and fixed. The verse that came to me was um, Ephesians 1.18. It says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how which is his glorious inheritance and saints is set apart once. It's particularly to do with your purpose and if you're having a doubt or you want clarity something God has been saying to you and it's uh, also that you need to obey so there's it's clarity basically something that needs to be crystallized 
Okay, so that might be somebody that's looking at a situation, you're finding that it's a bit cloudy, it's undefined, it's unclear, you're not sure about which direction to go, and then suddenly the Lord's going to bring it together and crystallize it in such a way that you see clearly what needs to happen next. So if you find yourself uncertain what's going on, I don't know which way to go, and you need the Lord to clarify, crystallize that situation, come and see Victor at the end. Anyone else got a word? for either one or two people in this place. You came just to test the waters and you were saying, if there's no word that will touch my heart today, I'm going to quit being a Christian. So if you are out there, just come and we pray for you because Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no life out there, so you cannot quit. Amen. So there's no life out there without Jesus. So no life out there without the full experience of who Jesus is. So if you came and you... And, this happens a lot, but we know that you're here tonight. A couple of you have come. Jesus, if you're real, then someone needs to say something to me so that I know that you're speaking to me. That's a word for you right there. Anyone else? Yes, sir. What I heard was that there was somebody here who's not been able to forgive a person for a couple of years now, but God is ready to release you into your next des destiny if you, are, if you are ready to release that person tonight. So somebody that's had a difficult situation holding unforgiveness, you know that God has more for you, but this is something you need to deal with in order to step into the more that God has for you. Anyone else? I just feel like, yes, I know that we have been celebrated Eastern, but um, I just feel that uh, Jesus has risen and there is no circumstances where he hasn't risen in your life. So just be encouraged, he has risen. Great. So Jesus has risen and that means that he's risen and he's Lord of everything. So there's nothing that's in your life that's too big for Jesus. If you would just bring it to him and let him know that you're putting your trust in him. Is there any other words from the team right now? Okay, so if what we'd like for you to do, team, if you could please come down and stand along the front. If any of those words were for you specifically, if possible, try to find out the person that uh, gave the word and go to them for prayer but if you feel that you need more prayer in just generic areas maybe you need a healing maybe you need a, a touch from the Lord in your body then you can also come forward at this time so what we're going to do is stand together we've got some time to spend with the Lord on this and if you feel that you know what I'm, I'm okay I don't need to respond to any of those words well you do need to respond to the Lord tonight so draw near to him in worship draw near to give him a, a time of honor and praise and reverence because we we want to go with him into the week we want him to be there monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and so it's important that we focus on him for this time and, and worship so let's stand together let's just lift our hands and our hearts and if it's appropriate for you to respond to those words please do come out if you are responding to that challenge that you believe the lord wants you to start stepping out in evangelism then also please come out at this time to respond to that as the team leads us in worship. 